Welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today we are back in the Messy Studio. Uh, Rebecca just got back from Spain. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about abstracting from place and incorporating your experiences into your work. So with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, we just uh, conducted a workshop in Spain, and, and my friend Janice Mason-Steves and I were also there painting. I was gone totally a month. It was truly amazing. So many things happen in such a beautiful place. Um, and... I've had the question before, but I thought it, uh, this is a very appropriate time to bring it up again. And also because one of our students asked the question, which was, well, how do you do this? Like, how do you go someplace and take in what's around you and turn it into abstract painting? And just ask it very directly, which which was good because that was what we were trying to convey in the workshop. Yeah, and I suppose it's something that some people kind of do naturally, but it's a process that you have to go through of incorporating these experiences into your work. Right, and so, you know, the the question forces you to kind of pick it apart a little bit and think about it. It does come pretty naturally for me, but it didn't always, and I, I know I struggled with it for a while, and then gradually things kind of came together, and I realized it was, you know, quite an intuitive process, and which makes it hard to explain or teach, but I do have, you know, a few insights that I can, I can share about it, and I guess what I'm going to be talking about here is when I say abstracting from place or a place, these are typically, at least for me, places that are not that familiar. They're places far away. Um, that said, uh, it, I think you could apply a lot of these ideas closer to home. It's it's a matter of kind of maybe shifting your your viewpoint and being open. But for the most part, what I'm talking about is when you go, when you travel, when you're on an artist's residency or you go to a workshop in another place and you're, you're experiencing some really new things. And I, I find these experiences really valuable um, in my own work, and I've seen it with my students as well. Um, kind of talked about it in the last two episodes. Yeah, how your your experience in traveling and experiencing new things is going to give your work a little bit more depth yeah. and, uh, and allow you to expand in different directions than you might otherwise. Yeah, there's kind of an openness that a lot of people experience naturally when they travel. Like you're kind of, you say, oh, wow, a lot. Or did you see that? Or look at that. Even small things really um, are surprising sometimes. Well, and there's the whole kind of when in Rome thing. You're just more likely to try new things yeah. when you're in a different culture and you're experiencing different Very things. Very true. You're, you're in a different state of mind, or, um, or you should be at least. So I think, um, so um, as I said, this has been really helpful in my own work and I've done numerous residencies and taught in many places. And it seems like every single time there's, there's input, there's things that I pick up on. So, when when the student asked the question of myself and Jan, we we gave her kind of a two-part answer. And so I'm thinking that this podcast will be sort of in two parts. So the first part was um, ideas about uh, experiencing what's around you, not necessarily the art-making part. And then the second part has to do with what you do when you're in the studio. So it's it's kind of 
the whole learning process is is really in two parts. It's it's the the taking things in and then the practicing it. That's right. And you might think it was there wasn't much to say about taking things in, but um, I think I think there's some basic things, and then I'll expand upon them a little bit. Um, and it just has to do with um, gathering information on many levels and sure. then interpreting that later in the studio. Right. So it's going to start from from observation. Right, right. So I kind of think of it as three different ways and I I'm, I'm oversimplifying obviously but visually observing and um so as an artist you might think about observing things that relate to the visual elements in other words what kind of um colors are you seeing what kind of shapes what kind of lines, textures. And that's that's really basic. I think um, that comes pretty naturally. And it's the kind of thing you might sketch or take photos of. It's, but going beyond that a little bit more is looking for uh, other visual information that you can get from a particular place or interesting juxtapositions. Like, say, um, I noticed when I was in Spain, and I've kind of noticed this before, but it hit me again. I was at a seaside town, and it was kind of misty. And looking out across the water, you really couldn't tell where the sky ended and the water began. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, you can stare at it and find it quite interesting. And somehow it might find its way into your work, that idea of just that gentle shading from one color into another. Well, I remember you talking previously about this kind of jump for you where you started removing horizon lines from your yeah. work. Yeah. And Maybe and that's that's connected to yeah, that. Yeah, and somehow. the fact is is that there isn't always a horizon yeah, line. Yeah. Yeah. And that um and so looking close up at things is one way you know, a lot of times when we travel, like we're looking at vistas or we're looking at cityscapes. And one of the ways to sharpen your um, visual observation is to zone in on things and really look at details and look at small areas of texture and color, um, the edges of things, um, the way that shadows fall. And these are things, obviously, they happen everywhere. Yeah, but I, I mean, just being in a different part of the globe causes light to play across different surfaces differently, or being at a different elevation mm -hmm. um, is gonna is gonna affect the way that light uh, hits an object. Yeah, and I, I often think too, we're saying how you become more sort of attuned when you travel, and it can be very ordinary things that strike you, and that's fine. You know, you may find yourself looking at clouds, and they're the same clouds you might see at home. But somehow you're more attuned to them when you're when you're traveling, and I think that that stuff is all important. You don't have to, um, you know, edit things out and say, "Oh, well, I can look at clouds anytime." Well, you're in Spain. Look at the clouds in Spain, and they may strike you a different way somehow. Um, another another thing I want to say about that, like really looking visually, is it's good to do it alone, quietly. Um, without distraction, and just stare at things. I mean, it's kind of basic. Um, and just, and, but also to um, maybe maybe write something, maybe make some notes, take a photo, anything that helps you really perceive sharply to, in detail. And one one of the things that we did. Um, in Spain with the students, which was quite surprising, was it was an assignment that Jan came up with of 
uh, she called it word painting. And she asked, we asked the students to go out, spend some time, and then write as close a description as they could about where they happened to be sitting and try to write it so someone else could picture it. And, and I think we were both expecting very straightforward verbal descriptions of stuff they saw. And there were some, but I think almost every single one went on a little deeper and something philosophical or something thoughtful kept in, crept into the writing. And it just kind of, it kind of showed me that when you sit and look and contemplate, your mind starts to open up. It could start with a visual, but it can naturally lead to this second kind of thing that I want to talk about, which is um, a feeling. So we had seeing with the eyes, feeling, Feeling can be sensory feeling, can be, you know, what are you, what are you, um, what are you hearing? What kind of sensations are you getting? Are you warm? Are you chilly? Um, do you smell um, the earth, the, the flowers, whatever it is? Just kind of opening yourself up to those kind of sensory experiences, even though, you know, they're not visual. Um, yeah, in the end, everything has to be translated visually into your it artwork. Does. But the thing is, those things affect your mood and your emotion. And I think when we say feeling, typically, you know, we think emotions. Um, and your emotional experience of a place is really important in abstraction. It really can shift it away from just kind of straightforward depiction or analysis and um, intuition comes into play, memory, maybe the place reminds you of things, um, can make intuitive leaps and connections. And and so on that level, you know, sort of being open to what what moves you, what moves you when you're there? Like what, uh, I mean, and I can say in Spain, there was, it was a very profound experience on a lot of levels. And I'll go into that a bit later towards the end of the podcast, but there was a lot of emotions and um, and it's sort of a sense of spirituality there because it was um, located on the Camino, which is a spiritual pilgrimage route across northern Spain. And there was so much input about um, those kind of experiences we were hearing from people that walk were walking the Camino and things like that. Right, so, you're taking in the culture as well as just yeah. the landscapes. And so again, with 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 letting yourself feel these feelings again, solitude is important, and I think um, it's something we we encouraged with the students, like when we went out somewhere, to not just chat. Like if we we had a walk to this ancient um, petroglyph site, and we we just asked people to walk in without talking and it was it just felt really um, special to not have any chatter going on just approach these stones in silence and I think making that silence for yourself when you're when you're traveling is, is really important. That had to be interesting too, as a visual artist, um, you know seeing some of these oh. the earliest artworks ever created. Oh it was it's so. It's just so moving. And they were in a beautiful valley. Um, and we, we went at, when the sun was coming up. So we saw the, early, the first rays of the sun like slanting across these carvings. And they, they were hard to see if you didn't get that angle on the sun. We had been there once when it was midday and you could barely see them. But, and again, the whole sensory experience. I mean, the the rising sun, the cool air, um, 
sounds and and just the the group, the feeling of the group, and everybody there experiencing it. It just was all important. Sure, and and feeling that that sense of what early man must have felt like the, that urge to first stick their hand in some pigment and put it on a rock. Yeah. Or, and these, yeah, these were carvings. Or, but yeah, yeah, or pick up some kind of tool and start carving into the, into the I rock think, face. I think when you look at the carvings, you realize, oh, my God, what a lot of work that was. I mean, they were yeah. chipping these intricate designs into well, these and stones. It's, and it's at a time when every moment is precious. Every moment of daylight yeah. is, is spent on survival. And these early people are taking this very, very precious time mm-hmm. and using it to carve into this rock face to do something that doesn't put food in their bellies. I know. It's it's really, it's, an, it's a lot to take in. And I, I think it's hard, it's hard to take it in unless you really, I mean, I think I only caught a glimpse of it, but just sitting quietly and taking it in, I mean, it had, it stayed in my mind really strongly. Um, and it's that, that, being very present, I think that that just helps you connect with the place and just being quiet. But there's another aspect to the petroglyphs, and it, it kind of leads me into the the third way of experiencing, and that's what you know about a place, right? So um, we're just talking about the kind of things we we might know about petroglyphs or even speculate about petroglyphs. But before we went to see them, um, we'd had a, a lecture or talk, slide talk about them as well as some other aspects of the area, and including um, we had a really great session on sacred geometry and actually drew um, a number of forms that have been used for centuries in different ways and different cultures. And so I think knowing things about a place is important too. And it, that seems to be, again, sort of a natural product of curiosity, right? Like you're... Um, you know, you go to a different culture and you want to know things. Like you want to know a little bit about the history or what's important in the culture. Um, what what are the stories? What are the local legends? Um, uh, talk to people, you know, and get to know something about how they see their environment. Sure. It's all part of absorbing the local terroir, the, the whole idea of visiting a new place and absorbing new things, you got to yeah. be open to kind of every part of that experience. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, as abstract artists, we might not realize that that's actually can feed your work. <laughs> I mean, we, I think a lot of abstract artists rely pretty heavily on the first two, on the, on the seeing and the feeling. And I think it brings strength to your work to have that background and so, um, you know, before you go someplace, read a bit about things and um, and just ask questions. And, you know, it, it's like that. I think most of us have a lot of curiosity when we travel and you feed it. You feed that curiosity. And, you know, maybe you go to museums or you seek out lectures or whatever it is. But it all helps build some background to your work. And even if it's not very conscious in your work or it's hard to see where it comes in or it's not part of your intentions, I think it's still important. And I think most people do that, but um, interesting maybe to see that as part of the process. So I, I kind of see those those three, three ways of experiencing and they all have to do with just being open, curious, um, 
quiet, introspective, um, and soaking it in. So, um, you know, something that I wanted to talk about about a little bit is I always want to um, make these experiences and what the advice that we're giving to people available to everyone. Yeah. And there's kind of two, you know, there's like, there on one end of the spectrum, there's like, like the, what Janice is doing with her uh, workshops and wild places where we're going to extremes mm-hmm. in terms of how far can we get away from, from the normal, right, right. you know? And I think on the other end of that, it's like, how can somebody who's on a budget get those same yeah. experiences, you know? And I, I think it gets down to that openness and being willing to shift your perspective a little. And sure. I think... And you don't have to go very far in order to no. do that. You don't need to cross an ocean. Absolutely not. And I I mean, you could... I, I, I think it's possible to open yourself up to these things in a very local way. And it's it's a bigger challenge because travel kind of puts us in the mood for all this stuff. But we all we all know our own places a lot. We know them very well, and we almost know them too well. So it's a little, maybe a little hard to shift. Right. It's all about you just getting somewhere new, mm-hmm. going somewhere where you haven't been before, so you can experience a different kind of mm-hmm. environment. Yeah, and it it could be some, it could be some uh, natural area that you haven't been to, not far from where you live. It could be going into a part of the city you haven't been to if you're uh, if you live in an urban area. It could be anything that you really haven't done before, and um, it's just about your attitude as you approach it. One thing that I would recommend is actually just going on a site like Airbnb, and you can set your kind of radius to you know within maybe a two hour drive or whatever. Just zoom the map out to the yeah. point where. You can see everything within what's an easy kind of driving distance for you, and uh, and find a place to go spend the night. Yeah, you know that isn't that's within your price range. Yeah, and I you know and I have to say that when I first started um, abstracting in my work, I did use this environment right here in Wisconsin, right around our place. That was my inspiration, and so. I was quite moved by it, and I I, I kind of got away from it after a while. I felt like I'd explored what I could with it, but um, I also know artists who have have never really gone away, but continue to find you know a, a lot of inspiration in right where they live. So um, I think I think all these ideas kind of apply. Some of them are a little more specific to travel. Um, um, one of the things that I also think is important in any any of this is I think I've mentioned uh, the idea of dualities before on the podcast, but this was something. This is something I keep being intrigued by, and something we talked about with our students in Spain. And it helps you tune into things when you say um, when you look for contrast visually, when you look for. Um, sensations or feelings that are opposing, like silence and sound. Uh, When you look for contrast within a culture, like new and old, um, these are all things that can bring a lot of depth and energy to your work. And they, the more I paint, the more I think they're really key. Um, When you paint about one thing, it can be a bit flat. When you bring in two interesting intersecting ideas, you have 
more excitement in your work. And so when, when you travel or when you're just trying to experience a place, looking for those dualities is, is a good good point to good point of departure, I think. And and one more thing I want to mention is about memory. And this is probably less applicable if it's something you're experiencing every day, but certainly when you travel uh, and you come home again, or if you've been away for the weekend, whatever it is, um, what's going to feed your work going forward? What are you bringing back with you? And memory does this wonderful thing in distilling um, the experience. So it can be, usually I think there's all those components are there, your visual memory, your emotional memory, and some something you know about the place are all kind of combined. And it's a part of your way of thinking that's just intriguing to me. I, I sort of, I think about it in terms of um, of dreaming almost, how dreams can kind of give you these potent symbols or layers of meaning in one image. And it's kind of, it's a little bit like that, though. When you think about if you come back from somewhere, what is the what is the main memory that you bring back? Yeah, memories and dreams are both kind of like abstracted versions of reality. Um, you know, the lens that we perceive reality through is distorted. Yeah, and that's that's something that translates into abstract work. Yeah, it's it's really intriguing to me, and I think. Um, what and I'm I'm intrigued by like why does something stick as a memory if it seems relatively ordinary in the moment? I mean, obviously we remember the big things in our lives, the big events, but why does a particular moment in a particular day or a particular place stay in your mind? And I I don't really know, but I I think it has to do with the fact that in that moment you were very present and you weren't distracted and you were you were taking it in. Um, and so uh, when I get home from a place, I always kind of like to sift through and think, what's what's really, what is it that I'm really most remembering? And it might not be what I think it would be, but I let that kind of rise um, to the surface. And I think for me in, in Spain, there was this feeling of openness and simplicity somehow that I think I want to bring uh, to my work. And also, as I said, stuff about the Camino, the journey, the path, the going on a journey and the returning from a journey. Um, and the dualities of sort of dark and light. I noticed a lot of shadows. And um, so... Yeah, and the duality of the culture as well, because on yeah. one side, there's like this kind of arduous spiritual journey, and on the other side, Spanish culture is very kind of laid back compared oh, to yeah, American yeah. culture. Yeah, it's a it's a deep place, and I think, I think everybody that was on the trip of the workshop felt it. It was it was pretty moving. So so how how can you access those memories? For me, it it has to do with. Um, Sometimes they come to me in dreams. We were just talking about dreams. But the first night I was back from Spain, all night, I felt like I was dreaming of these kind of clear skies and um, arid vistas and just this incredible feeling of space. And I just love that. I woke up feeling really peaceful and inspired. Trying to translate that into a painting hasn't been easy, but <laughs> it's, been a, it's been part of what I've been doing. And so I think um, writing things, writing down memories maybe that come to you is another way. And 
realizing when you're sort of daydreaming about the trip, what it what are you thinking about? And other than it might be quite ordinary moments. Um, we were talking about the petroglyphs. In fact, I guess the petroglyphs, although I loved being there and everything about it, I'm not sure they're one of the memories that's going to influence my work. I don't know why. It just certain things will, will strike you and you just have to go with that. Um, well, do you have any, any kind of final thoughts about just absorbing the, the, a new culture and learning from your experiences that can, and, and how this can be incorporated into your work? Yeah. And, and as I said, next, um, in the next podcast, we'll talk about it in more practical terms. I realize I've been a bit vague and, um, but, but the bottom line is it is a really simple thing. I mean, it's, the process is simple and it kind of boils down to just like enjoying yourself <laughs> uh, in solitude at times, taking time to be alone, taking time for introspection, um, being curious. I, to me, I often feel like I'm, I'm in touch with sort of this inner 10 year old kid who wants to explore and wants to climb on rocks and wants to poke under poke sticks under things or whatever that feeling takes takes over sometimes and I love that. I wish I felt it more in, in everyday life. And so this kind of um just just being very present and enjoying the situation is really, that's the first step. And it's surprising that that actually is a bit hard because people become very preoccupied with uh, all kinds of things. And it, it's a little hard sometimes to leave your daily life behind and actually engage in this sort of thing. Yeah, it's not the way that we function under normal no. circumstances. Usually, I mean, I noticed with it when the students arrived, and I noticed it in myself as well, it took a couple of days to just slough it off, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get past the kind of the stress level that we all live with day to day and, and just be present. And it, it's, a, it's a beautiful gift to yourself if you, can, if you can find a place to do that. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your own creative space, messy or otherwise. <laughs>